so we're in a series called The Question Behind the Question. I've said week in, week out that in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus asks at least 307 questions of us. Now, the questions are not because he doesn't know the answer. The questions are because there's things that we don't know about that we need to know about, and there's things that we don't care about but that we need to care about. And so Christ asked these questions to try to make our awareness a little more sensitized to these things. Now, the question today, it might seem a bit unusual. How do we handle approval? Now, you might be thinking, did, did Christ really ask something like that? And, and what do you mean, uh, approval? Maybe it's a little bit hard for us to even, as we sit here, I'm not sure, Randy, how I, how I handle approval. Well, I put together a little seven-question assessment that can kind of get you a bit acclimated to um, how you are, how you have been handling approval. So it starts like this. Oh, that, that's, that's for another series. <laughs> ah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, that's a up the road series. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> you might be an approval addict. Addict might be strong but it helps you to kind of focus if seven questions here you go try to answer them for yourself objectively don't think about someone else in your life think about yourself here we go you can't rest easy when you feel like someone is displeased with you does that ring true to you you always tend to wonder what people think about you. You know, anytime you're in an environment, you're wondering, what do they think? I wonder if, I, you know, they're going to like me. They're going to, you know, feel like I fit in. You try to lead, you, excuse me, you try to read people and match their expectations and opinions. This is a really sinister one and a, and a subtle one because sometimes we, we do this almost unconsciously because we've been doing it so long and we can kind of feel proud of ourselves without knowing it that we read people so well and we blend. We feel like we're, we're moving them around to make ourselves feel safe. But think that one through. Try to be as honest as we can. Try to be as objective as we can. You try to read people and match their expectations and opinions. Let's go on. You tend to over-explain yourself or over-apologize. This, again, is one of the, the giveaway symptoms of being an approval addict or someone that's prone to caring too much about human approval. You can't say no even when you know you should. <clears throat> Maybe you're thinking you're almost always all, all overextended in some way. And you secretly are a little frustrated, perhaps, but yet you just still can't say no. You secretly live, secretly live for recognition, compliments, and praise. And if you don't get it when you think you should have gotten it, you're secretly angry or upset. Let that one sink in. Think it through. You only feel value or worth when people are what? Pleased with you. That's the only time you feel okay, let's say, about yourself and about who you are as a human being. All right, you've had your, your seven-question assessment. <clears throat> you kind of can get a sense of where you may or may not be on this whole subject of approval, but I can't help but wonder if you're not thinking, well, I can't believe that Jesus would really be dealing with something like this. Why, why would this really matter that much? We're going to go to a <clears throat> portion of Scripture 
and I think you will see that it it matters way more than what we may suspect initially we're going to go to John's gospel chapter 5 and Jesus starts he's he's interacting with a group of men these are uh, particularly the Pharisees they were the religious experts of the day most of them like I've said many times they had the entire Old Testament memorized they thought they were God's last word to humanity and yet Jesus is God in front of them and they didn't like him and so the very God that they supposedly were experts on when he arrived in human form they didn't recognize or like anyway he says Jesus says to them you pour over the scriptures for you imagine that you will find eternal life now Jesus is not condemning pouring over the scriptures or internalizing the scriptures it's what they do with it you pour over the scriptures and you imagine it you will find eternal life in them and all the time they give their testimony to who to me he's saying that the scriptures you've been reading and memorizing they're all pointing toward me but you are not willing you're not willing to come to me to have real life men's what is the word approval or disapproval means nothing to me says Jesus he picks it up <laughs> how on earth can you believe while you are forever looking for each other's approval and not for the glory or approval that comes from the one God so Jesus is saying to these men that their longing their need their surrender to human approval was keeping them from being able to trust in Christ and follow him because they knew the consequences of rejection from their peers would be so uncomfortable so painful that they would not even consider it that's what Jesus is saying let's put it into everyday terms Jesus is saying that it's possible that even though a human being may be convinced that he is indeed who he says he was, that he's the creator of the universe, he's the, the savior of the world, he's the way, the truth, and the life, that he's the giver of life and so forth. A person can become convinced that he died sacrificially for us because he loves us so much as we sang and that he rose from the grave because he has all power on heaven and earth and yet still not become his follower, not put faith in him, not become his follower because there are people in our life that we know they would not like the fact that we have become a follower of Christ it might be someone in your workplace it might be someone in your family it might be in someone in your circle of friendships but Jesus is literally saying that a person can be believe all the truth about him and still not put trust in him and become his follower simply because when they count the cost of the rejection of certain individuals in their life it's not worth it to them so this is this is bigger than we might suspect he goes on in another chapter in john he says even then many jewish authorities believed in jesus once again doesn't mean they trusted in him as to become his follower it meant that they believed that he was the christ or the messiah okay many of the jewish authorities believed in jesus but because of the pharisees they did not talk about it openly so as not to be expelled from the synagogue why why were they silent when they actually believed that jesus was the messiah they loved human what is the word approval rather than the what 
the approval of God. So here are individuals that believed all the truth about Christ, but once again, they would not openly put trust in him and become his followers, nor speak about their belief about him because they were afraid of the responses they would get from people that were important in their lives. Let's put that in an everyday context. Jesus is saying that our fear of losing the approval of certain people can silence us as Christians. We will be like them. We won't speak up because the cost of rejection is so uncomfortable for us, we become silenced. One of the worst things that can happen to an authentic follower of Christ is to become silenced. How many of you know that, that one of the things that the Spirit of God comes to enable, empower followers of Christ to do is to open our mouths concerning Christ? In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when Jesus had risen from the dead, he said that when his Spirit would come, he would give us the power, the power, the enablement to become his witnesses. The word witnesses, it's Greek word martyria. It means like a martyr. It's one that lays down their life, their identity, their stability in order to promote the stability, the worthiness of someone else. We become those that open our mouths on purpose, intentionally. We become those that look for opportunities to speak the truth to our world about God and about life. We are not those that are silenced. That is contrary to everything that God intends for us. How many of you remember in Scripture, some of you are new to Scripture, but some of you know this, that, that Jesus says that his people, his followers, are supposed to be like salt and like light in the world. How many are familiar with that text a little bit? Okay, well, what, what was he saying? Well, salt was something that influences whatever it contacts. You know, you put salt on meat, it becomes a preservative, it changes the flavor. Salt is not changed. Salt changes. It's a powerful influence. Light, likewise. It could be pitch blackness, but you, you light one candle, you see the light. The light overcomes the darkness. The only way the darkness overcomes the light is if the light goes out and when you my follower of Christ like I am a follower of Christ when we are silenced by our society our peers because we're afraid of their reaction we are those that have hidden our light and we are those that Jesus used the term the salt becomes unsavory it has no influence L listen we're, we're all familiar with this term today that kind of gets on my nerves a little bit but you know we have these people you know the social media they're called influencers right and they really are they become disproportionately unworthily powerful in their ability to persuade the minds of other people sometimes on a gargantuan scale Christ followers his authentic followers are to be those that are so full of of the joy of possessing the truth about God and the truth about life and so courageous because of it that we look for opportunities to speak the truth about God and to speak the truth about life. We pray for opportunities. We look for opportunities. We seize the opportunities. We will not be silenced. We cannot be silenced. Remember, you might remember when Peter and John were arrested and brought before the Jewish board of elders and they said, hey, we, we, we can't but speak what we know to be true we can't be silent but if you're scared of people if I'm scared of people if I'm if I'm concerned about somebody's opinion of me 
and the repercussions that might occur because of their opinion. It might be in the workplace. It might be, you know, the, the higher-ups in your company or whatever. It might be in your family. It might be, you know, a friend, friendship circle. There's somebody that we so cherish because we've had some history with them that they silence us, and we cheat them because the thing about influencers are influencers actually do change people's minds and you don't know and I don't know that when we finally ratchet up the boldness to speak to someone intentionally purposely about God about life about Christ you don't know and I don't know how we may change their entire destiny in this life and in the life to come but if we're silenced because of our fear that they'll change their minds about us. They, they won't like us the way they used to. They, they won't include us. They'll, they'll think ill of us. They'll think, oh, man, that person's gotten so weird. They're in this weird Jesus thing. Well, by that silence, we don't, just, we don't just hurt ourselves, and we do. But we hurt other people without even perhaps knowing it. So this is a really, really significant thing, this, this approval or this need for approval for people. So let's ask a series of questions to get our minds started. Why, first of all, are we so vulnerable to this? Why does it matter so much to us what people think of us? Don't we all know that people are not perfect? They're, they're fallible. They're fickle. They change their minds. They like you one day. They dislike you the next. We know this, and yet, truth be told, we can't shake it. It does matter to us. We do want people's approval. We do want people to think well of us. Let's ask another question. Why does it act, what does it actually give us? So when we gain the approval of someone, what, what is it we gain? Is it something tangible? Can you, can you quantify it? No, it's, it's a feeling, is it not? It's just that. It's just a feeling. It's a feeling that comes and it's a feeling that may go, but it's at best it's a feeling it's not even a trustworthy feeling because sometimes the people that have a high opinion of us shouldn't have a high opinion of us and vice versa and, and we kind of on certain levels know this but we still can't exactly you know detach ourselves what are we willing to do to gain it and what else maintain it ah this is where it gets really rough I bet you almost everybody in this room can think back in our earlier years perhaps where in order to gain and maintain the approval of a certain group you know maybe it was like the in crowd whatever our in crowd was might have been the nerd crowd or the athletic crowd or whatever the grease crowd I mean there's all these different terminology whatever but you can probably remember that there was some experimentation that you did that initially you were hesitant you weren't that even interested in it but in order to, to, to gain street credit in order to maintain your, your identity to, to be accepted to be approved of you did some things and you continue to do some things and, and it usually revolves around you know you got to listen to certain music you got to know certain lingo and you got to have a certain look those are the three L's of, of fitting in of gaining approval right how many of you can remember some things that you wore one time because that made you cool that you would never be caught dead in right now <laughs> yeah see how it changes <laughs> but maybe we can all remember and I'm going to go further some of us very uncomfortably remember that when we did that thing that was going to gain us approval or so we thought we didn't know it but, but we had opened the Pandora's box 
And this thing still is affecting us to this day. It is still influencing us to this day. It is still somewhat a struggle in our life. It's controlling us off and on. And we wish we could turn back time and stop it. But nevertheless, in order to, to gain and maintain just approval, to fit in, to belong, to be welcome, to be wanted, to be respected, to be enjoyed, we sold ourselves. I was going to use the word prostituted ourselves, but I thought that would be too offensive. Oh, I just did, didn't I? <laughs> Where does this desire for approval come from? Where? Where? I, I mean, you talk about something that should provoke thought. We are these, these strange, complex entities on this planet. I mean, why should this matter so much? Well, the, the truth is, is that we're made by Christ and for Christ. We're made in the image of God. We are relational beings as God is a relational being. And truth be told, I deeply inside want to be liked want to be loved want to have the best construction put on everything I do by everyone all the time everywhere I go I want to belong I want to be welcomed I want to be enjoyed I want to be admired and so do you truth be told this is written in our spiritual DNA why because we cannot get it in this life we know that and even if we get it in this life it doesn't last long enough because we are meant for a realm we are meant for an existence where God's will is done by all where God's love fills every heart and that longing for approval by everyone everywhere all the time and you won't have to fight for it you won't have to earn it you won't have to dress weird for it you won't have to learn musical styles that you don't like you won't have to just because of who you are you will be welcomed you will be wanted you will be enjoyed you will be admired you will be respected you will be accepted and you will never be excluded or rejected again you know on some deep level that's the way life is supposed to be why because the divine dna is still existent to some measure inside of every human being it's meant to draw us back to our creator it's meant to draw us toward his kingdom now I want to take you through some scripture and we're going to look at this whole subject you know, just a little bit more so if I could just go on to the next Proverbs 29.25 it says it's dangerous let that word dangerous kind of say this is God who loves us who knows us who wants what's best he says it's dangerous to be concerned with what what does it say what others think of you but if you trust the Lord you're safe now you say, Randy, that's not realistic. I mean, we're, we're always concerned to some degree what others think of us, as we should be. There, there is a balance to this. We shouldn't be so out of step with, you know, normality, uh, healthiness, that we don't have something to measure by. But, but when I'm thinking, when I'm thinking too much about what others think of me, that's dangerous and it's dangerous because it can lead me to do things that I shouldn't do it can lead me to think things I shouldn't think I'll feel things that maybe are inaccurate and and I lose I lose the freedom and authenticity of personhood that Christ created me to experience as I'm in union with him and his influence is supreme over me as opposed to the influence of other human beings who maybe need my influence as I uh, live out life from my union with Christ so let's go on to another Jeremiah 17 it kind of says the same thing in a different way it says this is what the Lord says cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans 
who rely, there's the key, rely on human strength. I, I can become reliant on human approval. I don't feel good. I don't feel normal. I don't feel at peace unless I have or think I have human approval. This is not good. Who rely on human, uh, hum, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. That is almost uh, impossible not to do. When I'm so fixated on what other people think of me to help me feel good about me, I have at that point taken God off the throne in my heart and I have put that other person on the throne. They have for all practical purposes become supremely important to me and become on some level my God. I'm looking to them to give me security. I'm looking for them to give me significance. I'm looking for them to give me satisfaction. That's, that's a huge mistake. You might want to get that. Um, <laughs> but blessed are those who trust. How many of you know if, you, if your phone goes off in here, I'm not going to let it slide? <laughs> I have a bias about that. I think they should be turned off. <laughs> Uh, you then you only get an hour slot once a week for this kind of experience. <laughs> but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. Let's look at one more. This one gets into a generalization of humanity. Jesus speaking in Matthew 7. He's urging, he says, Enter God's kingdom through the narrow gate. The gate is large and the road is wide that leads to what? To ruin. And here's the key. What does this say? Many. There's this thing in us that we think, man, the majority can't be wrong. I mean, if, if most people are thinking a certain way, if most people are behaving a certain way, if most people have a certain value system and they're pursuing certain things, if you stick with the majority, you're going to be okay. The majority can't be wrong. I mean, the best and the brightest, they're all packed in there in the majority, you, you, you know, Things have changed, and if you just stick with the majority, you're going to be safe. Was the majority right in Noah's day? Not so much. There, there's endless examples historically where the majority is not right. Following the majority, following the crowd, it is a very, very dangerous way to navigate one's life. But it's hard not to. Let's be honest. It's really, really hard not to want to go along, you know, so that we can get along. So he says many people go that way, the way that leads to ruin. It's wide, it's open, it's just kind of do as you want, you blend in. But the gate is small and the road is narrow that leads to life and only, what does it say? A few, many are headed to destruction, the majority, few find the way of life now of course Jesus he's talking about himself he's talking about trust in himself in John 14 6 he says I am the way the truth and the life and that no one comes to the father except through him so following the majority is what I'm wired kind of to do and so are you and it's really really hard to push back against the tide of the majority but if I'm going to navigate life safely, Jesus says, I've got to gear myself that. It's dangerous to become kind of a slave of the approval of others, to want to fit in so bad, to want to retain credibility in the eyes of certain people. I want you to pause right now because I, I, I know for a fact this affects almost everybody in this room. I want to make this personal to you so that you don't waste your time being here today. 
stop for a moment and think of there's likely someone somewhere in each of our lives that we are far more concerned about what they think of us than what we may be others now again I've given some suggestions it, it, it may be the hierarchy in your place of work or employment you know you've kind of gained some credibility and you feel like man if I start really showing the fullness of my union with Christ and identity with him if I start speaking about spiritual things if I look for opportunities and pray for opportunities to start talking openly about spirit, I, I'm going to maybe lose some some job opportunities I might lose the, my job itself it could be that it's someone in your family and you just can't you just can't imagine disappointing this person they have a certain view of you they expect to hear certain things from you they expect to see you conduct yourself in a certain way and you just cannot picture yourself disappointing that or losing that that their rejection or their disappointment or their you know discomfort something with you it's more than you can bear and so you become silent you hide part of your identity think about your personal situation and ask is there a person a place in your life where the approval of a mere human being is being elevated above the approval of God that's not comfortable for us but it's likely we each have areas like that and I know for a fact the Lord wants us to think about those areas and to consider tipping that scale in a little bit of a different direction so that his approval means so much that we will be available to him and to those people in the way that we are uncomfortable but they may need desperately so let's look at this our longings for approval and we all want approval we said that it's just kind of the way God's wired us but our longings for approval become toxic and dangerous whenever now that's what we have to do when when do we go too far when is it out of balance when is my desire for you know belonging and fitting in and being accepted and all that where does it go too far here's the rest of it we are willing to do whatever is required to gain the approval we so desire we can likely most of us think of times where we did we we went too far we compromised we remained silent when we shouldn't we did something literally did something that violated our moral co moral code more more importantly God's moral code but but we did it we we went along to get along we we just we just sold ourselves out we became inauthentic we became chameleons you know we we blended we we shape-shifted we changed our color uh, in order to get some gain or some perceived gain this is when it gets dangerous let me add to this Who do we see? Now, now, now I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get you to think about something. We are visual creatures. We are vision-driven creatures. It is my opinion that human beings are always seeing someone. And I'll explain to you a bit more what I mean by that. But the question is, who do we see and who do we recognize as seeing us? I believe that some particularly those that have authentically put their trust in Christ and become his follower, everywhere we go, all during our day, all the time, we see God. We are aware of the presence of Christ. And we see him, and we see him seeing us. 
That, that, is, that is a governing spiritual reality for some of us. It's a healthy spiritual reality. It's one that if we don't have, we, we need to cultivate if we've trusted in Christ. But it's who we see as we walk through our life and who we see seeing us. We're vision-driven creatures that will more than often determine how governed we are by the approval and the acceptance of others and how terrified we are of their rejection or not so pause ask yourself the question as you walk through your day who do you see is your mind filled supremely majority of time with images of others or is your mind always filled supremely with an awareness of the presence of Christ and the, the Christ sees you as you see him and that regulates that determines how we conduct ourselves that determines whether we're concerned or overly concerned for the approval of humans or not pause for a minute what vision is driving your life and I can guarantee you we are all living vision driven lives whether we know it or not let me go on my conclusion is one of these two we're either seeing people or we're seeing God and that will determine whose approval we ultimately are living for so let's take a moment personalize it because you can change it maybe you're discovering today you know I really have been living for the approval of, of just people and not the approval of God and I don't want to be that person anymore I don't, I don't want to live that way anymore well, well that's what an opportunity like this gives us now let's ask ourselves the question now that we, we have some sense of why we're so vulnerable to this uh, you know we want to be loved we want to be accepted we want to you know be respected and so forth how can we overcome this because it's not easy if we're honest it's just not easy particularly with certain individuals in our life here's how we can overcome John 16 or John 15 this is Jesus this is really in, in, important this is Jesus last night with his disciples and he knows it he knows he's going to the cross in less than 12 hours and so he's giving them literally his last words to prepare them for life for reality without himself present he says to his disciples if the world what does it say hates you is there anybody in here you just love to know when people hate you can I just see your hands <laughs> no I just I just don't know anybody that likes to be hated you know we want to be loved by everybody all the time if the world hates you keep in mind that it hated who me Jesus talking about himself first this should give us some pause right here Jesus is the most beautiful perfect being that has ever walked this planet and yet he had lots and lots of people that hated him if they hated a perfectly sacrificial loving being the most brilliant the most compassionate the, the most wonderful helpful being if they hated Jesus is there a chance they're going to hate you or I come on we know right we know but we don't live that way we're like oh man they don't like me they don't I can tell the way they're acting around me they don't think the same about me anymore and we're wounded and we then start figuring what can I do to win them back what if what if the most important thing that God wants some of us to accept today is that there are some people in our lives that are absolutely going to reject us 
look upon us with the worst possible construction. They're never going to like us. There's nothing we can do. We can't run any faster. We can't jump any higher. There's nothing we can give them. There's nothing we can do for them. There's nothing we can sacrifice. There is nothing we're ever going to be able to do to have them feel about us the way we want them to feel about us. What if the most important thing for some of us to accept today is just that, that if people hate God, if they hate Jesus, they're probably not all going to like us. What if, what if that's the starting point? I can remember in my own life, probably somewhere in my 40s, between 40s and 50s, this thing really became very clear to me. Uh, I'm like you. I'd like everybody to like me. And I knowingly and unknowingly struggled for that. And it just became crystal clear to me. And I'm not giving myself an out or you an out. We should always conduct ourselves as lovingly and as kindly and, and so forth. Okay, so I'm not saying this gives us a right to just be stinkers and say it's tough on you if you don't like me. I'm just, I am who I am. You know, and that's, that's not what I'm talking about. We're, we always should be growing. We always should be developing, trying to become more Christ-like. But I came to this clarity point where it's like, you know, this is kind of crazy-making. I am going to love and serve those that can receive anything from me. I'll serve them. I'll give everything I have to them. But those that I feel like they don't like me, they don't respect me, they, they're not interested in receiving anything from me, I am no longer going to try at all, at all with them. Life is too short. I'm too limited. I'm going to give to those that can receive and those that don't want to receive I'm not even going to bother this was very liberating for me and I think very very healthy very aligned with God's will it might be a life changer if some of you today would make that same kind of decision that I made somewhere between 40 and 50 okay so he says, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you don't belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. Jesus is saying, once you put your trust in me and become my follower, you are now a member of the, the kingdom of heaven. You are no longer a member of the kingdom of this world. You don't fit in. You can't go along with everything that they think and what they want. You are different, except Jesus is saying, accept the fact that you're different, and then not everybody's going to be backslapping you and happy and pleased with you because you are his follower. He was warning his disciples then. He's warning us now. But that's not how we Christians think today. Modern Christians don't think that way. You know how modern Christians think today? I'm going to follow Jesus, and I'm going to be cool. Everybody's going to like me. In fact, that's going to draw them to Jesus. I'm going to be so cool as a follower of Jesus that everybody's going to like me. You, you can try that tightrope if you want, but you will not stay upright on it for very long. How many have watched the the Christian celebrities try to walk this tightrope and they compromise and they go silent and they in many cases turn overtly uh, against Jesus and the truth of the word of God. You can't, you can't do that. You can't, you can't win the world by becoming like the world. That's not the way this works. It's just not the way. Jesus reiterates the same thing in Luke 9, if I could just go there, or Luke 6, sorry. 
<laughs> now this one, this one cra- kind of cracks me up because it's so counterintuitive to the way we think and feel. Um, what blessings, Jesus says, await you when people, number one, do what? Hate you, exclude you, number two, mock you. I really don't do well with that one. <laughs> I don't mind if I'm mocking myself. <laughs> I, I like a good laugh. And curse you as evil. But then he says, the why? Why? Why are they... Why are they hating me? Why are they excluding me? Why are they mocking me? Why are they cursing me as evil? Because you, what? Follow the Son of Man, Jesus meaning himself. It's not just because of who I am and what I am. It's because they see, they hear it. I open my mouth. I purposely seek to identify with Christ. I did this for years when I was still doing construction work in an environment that was very difficult to do it in. I overtly made it crystal clear that I was a follower of Jesus. I would take in Christian books and read them at at lunchtime. I'd take my Bible in. Every shot I got to share some truth with guys about about truth and life and God, I did it. Now, I wasn't a kook. I don't think. (laughs) Maybe some of them would say differently. But, but I was intentional. It can be done. Did I fumble sometimes? Oh, of course I did. But when you are open with everyone all the time about your trust in Christ, your devotion to him, your belief that everything he says is true, and you desire to share it, and you're praying for opportunities to share it, and you're taking, seizing those opportunities to share it, you're going to experience some of this stuff. I mean, there were some guys that absolutely hated me and that mocked me and used to draw funny pictures of me on the walls and things and with a Bible in my hand and a drywall gun in the other hand, and <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. But What sorrows, now catch this, what sorrows await you who are praised by the who? The crowds, everybody likes you. I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian, and the world's going to think I'm cool, and I'm so cool, they're going to come to Jesus. Nonsense, stupidity, foolishness. Every, every you know, Christian that tries that sees very quickly that is not to be had. It awaits you when you are praised. For their ancestors also praised the false prophets. They love it when people hide the truth about God and life, when we go silent about the truth about God and about life. They love it. They'll love us. They'll let us in for a little while, but it won't, it won't last. Second Timothy gets even more blunt. The Apostle Paul writing to followers of Christ in Ephesus, and particularly Timothy, who was heading over those churches there, he says, everyone, that, that's every follower of Christ, everyone who wants to live a godly life in union with Christ Jesus will be praised by men, <laughs> will be popular We'll always be wanted at the party. (laughs) Everybody wants to hear their point of view. (laughs) No, persecuted. What does that mean to you and I? What does that look like? Does it look like people that once liked us, all of a sudden, ooh, he or she's getting weird. Uh, Does it mean that we don't get invited to certain places? Does it mean that we're, we're not considered for certain Uh, economic opportunities vocational opportunities I don't know what it looks like I know it can get real real bad depending on where you live in the world but but this is pretty crystal clear here's the spirit of God telling me as a follower of Jesus adjust your expectations 
to be persecuted, to be rejected, to be maligned. Um, we have the same testimony throughout Scripture. 2 Corinthians adds to the picture a bit more, and it gives us some help. The Apostle Paul, once again, writing the followers of Christ in Corinth, he says, hey, look, we're, we're certain about that, and we would rather be away from our bodies and where? At home with the Lord. If you would read the verse going forward, he's talking about that we'll have a body, a sort of a spiritual body, before we receive our resurrection body, should we die now. But the important part, he says, if we die now as a follower of Christ, we immediately go to be with the Lord. There is no unconscious state in between. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now that we need to tuck away. That gives us security and boldness. But then he goes on this in verse 9. So, because we know that we're with the Lord here now, and if we die, we're going to go to be with him in a more you know, visual way then. So we try our best to do what? Please him. This is where we all have to start today. If you're here today and you've more or less awakened to the fact that you are being overly and unhealthily influenced by your concern for acceptance, approval of others, here's where you start. You just say, you know what, man, I'm done. Today, from this day forward, I know I got a lot to learn. I know I got some things to untangle. I am going to live to please Christ. Everywhere, all the time, everything I do. I'm going to re-scrutinize. I'm going to welcome God's light to correct me, direct me, redirect me. I, from this day forward, I'm not wasting any more time. I'm going to live to please Christ. He says, we try to please him. We wait or, or we want to please him whether we are at home in our bodies or away from them we must all stand in front of Christ to be judged so he's saying ultimately the approval of human beings isn't going to matter one hoot on judgment day the only thing that's going to matter is God's opinion of me or of you that's all that's going to matter at that time so this is, this is meant to liberate us, but it's also meant to, to give us a focal point. I'm, I'm going to start consciously living to please Christ. If I go to this next one, 1 Thessalonians 2, it says, our purpose, our purpose is to what? To please God. That's, that's the very purpose of our life. And it's not that it's in this way that God's got this delicate ego and he just needs everybody running around trying to please him. God cannot give us the life that he wants to give us unless we trust him completely and follow him fully. Then he can have the joy of seeing us experience the joy that he himself experiences on an inward level. Our purpose is to please God, not who? Now I know just what some of you are thinking. I've been telling him, I'm not here to please you. Or I've been telling her, I don't have to please you. All I've got to do is please God. That's, that's not what it's saying. Okay? It's, it's urging us, though, to consider a different vision to be driven by in life, one in which we see God and we want to please him. And we then see people in the balance that we should. And we're not so afraid of their rejection so as to shrink back and become silent and not take this, this influence that God has entrusted to us that occurs when we open our mouth intentionally and speak to people about what God is doing in our life and who he is and what he's like. And maybe we give him an invite or whatever it is. But but we've got to have the freedom, the boldness 
to speak out or else we become the salt that no longer uh, affects you know anything or the light that is hidden and we don't want that so we our purpose is to please God not people he alone examines the motives of our hearts whatever people's judgments are of us they're they're not very trustworthy I mean people can like me for all the wrong reasons and people can hate me for all the wrong reasons and so they can do the same with you too so let me close with these thoughts human approval is at best okay at best inaccurate and what else how many of you have ever experienced somebody that was just so for you man they were your biggest fan they loved you man I'll always be with you, you know you can always count on me but something happened and they walked how many how many experienced that can I see your hands okay so it doesn't matter what people say at best it's temporary at best it's temporary let me add to this at worst the approval of others is destructive and enslaving when I need so badly for this person to like me to approve of me to enjoy me to want me to include me I am a slave I am a puppet on the string I have lost my God-given authenticity I have lost my God-given empowerment to be an influencer of them they are influencing me they are controlling me they are robbing me of my core identity I don't even share an opinion unless I think they'll like the opinion I don't make a statement unless I think it'll be accepted to them acceptable to them well, I, I, I become a slave to them and yet I'm the one that God puts in their life to perhaps help them and yet I've lost my, my power my usefulness to do that divine approval on the other hand God's approval it is accurate and it lasts it's eternal once we seek to please our creator he knows us he sees us he knows our motives he's with us he'll never leave us he'll never forsake us he promises this again and again so it's accurate and eternal as well as developmental and liberating once I start seeking the approval of Christ supremely I see him I'm aware of his presence and that he's seeing me everywhere all the time I'm not to be disrespectful I am no longer a prisoner to the fear of your opinions about me and this liberates me to love you the way God wants me to love you that means I can speak the truth to you in love I'm not afraid to speak the truth to you in love because I love you with God's love not some needy love that I I got to have your approval I need you to like me yeah, you know I enjoy it when you like me but I don't need it that's where God wants to take each and every one of us he wants to free us and this concern about pleasing him man it leads to growth it leads to spiritual development we don't stop and become some old crank and say well that's just the way God made me I'm just an old crank and everybody knows it and that's just me no no you're just you're just hiding out you're just you're just forsaking the development and the growth that God says we all ought to be pursuing and we can have it says we we can continue to grow to Christ-like transformation and that's what we ought to be pursuing all of our days so we're, we're not talking about you know giving ourselves an out for poor conduct or, or lack of development not at all 
but we're talking about that which will enhance our growth but more more importantly remember we started this thing we read in that passage in John some people don't turn to Christ because they're too afraid of what someone else is going to think that is the tragedy of tragedies but then equally to me tragic is that others are silent they're silent they're God's testimonials they're God's witnesses they're they're the people of God that are meant to present to the world the truth about God and the truth about life but we're silenced we're scared and we're more scared today I think because society has become so volatile maybe than ever before it has to stop folks we're, we're the only ones we're the only ones that can share the truth about God and life with people but it won't happen until I care more about pleasing God than pleasing people that I care more about God's approval than the approval of other people now we're going to leave here today and we're all going to leave in a different condition some of us are going to walk out the door and we're going to say man I'm, I'm done this is the day that I set out to be pleasing to God and I will no longer fear the disapproval of others and I will I will work through God's help to break those chains everywhere that I find them in my life but others of us sadly we're, we're gonna walk out the door and we're still gonna be cowardly we're still gonna be silent we're still gonna think we're clever we're, we're gonna be chameleon shapeshifters and feel good about it because we feel synthetically safe you gotta let go of that safety all that live godly in Christ Jesus, it said, will be what? Persecuted. Accept our destiny and be those that lovingly and courageously take God's light, God's salt into our circles of influence. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you, you call us into freedom, but it's a freedom that is meant to bring blessing to others help us help us to see ourselves it's hard for us help us to fight the fears that have held some of us maybe for decades help us to enter into a life of seeking to please you all the time everywhere we ask all these things for Christ amen